0: Dynamic documentation is like my brand of documentation. It's my philosophy of it as well. While documentation has traditionally been viewed as static, in my opinion.
1: That was Adrienne Bellhumor. I had her on a podcast previously, and it turns out she had written and was in the process of publishing a book called A 24-Hour Rule. The book has now been published, and I asked her if she would come back and talk about it because it relates to document management and document governance, and she sets out a framework that every compliance professional should utilize around documentation in your compliance program and, indeed, documentation across your organization. I know you'll enjoy this episode. The award-winning FCPA Compliance Report is a production of the Compliance Podcast Network. Before we get to them, we're going to have a quick word from our sponsor. Hello, everyone. This is Tom Fox back for another episode, and I'm thrilled to have back with me Adrian Bell Humor, who has recently had a book published called The 24-Hour Rule. We had the chance to visit a little bit earlier this year, and she told me about the book was near publication, but I ask her if after it was published, we could talk about it because you get a geek out on documentation. So Adrian, first of all, welcome back.
0: Thank you so much, Tom, for having me back. It's just great.
1: So first, let's start with the title, The 24-Hour Rule. I have to say that it sounds like something my mother would have impinged on me as a rule at the house, similar to the three-second rule, or other rules that I grew up with. So where did you come up with this title?
0: The 24-hour rule is what I think is the golden rule of documentation, and it's very simple. It's that you need to reprocess, rewrite, or rethink information within 24 hours of hearing it, or simpler, in simpler terms, just do something with information. It is at the heart of so much lost information. Is when we go to meetings, go to conferences, meet new people, have a brilliant idea in the shower and actually lose it within that 24 hour window. So what I'm doing is really attaching the world of documentation to actually how we flow information and to the limitations of our short term memory. So this is a very new take that you probably never heard in law school about documentation, but extremely powerful and has so many applications at work and for your personal life as well.
1: Well, when I went to law school, we had nothing to deal with the reality of the practice of law <laughs> at the time. <laughs> it was all theoretical, very good education, but nothing to do with reality. So I think you answered this, but I'll ask it. Why did you write this book and who is the audience?
0: So I wrote this book, Documentation is a massive underpinning practice in the corporate world for business owners. But we have actually very few engaging resources to turn to when it comes to documentation. So I really saw this as a gap, as a yourself as a lawyer, I'm a chartered accountant, CPA, big four training. There is a lot of good training in documentation, but I sometimes think it misses the mark about actually training us Collectively, not just in silos by our professions, like lawyers are trained one way, CPAs another, engineers another way, IT. Program, the list goes on and on. We have very siloed views of our currently training today's knowledge workforce. So I saw certainly a need for something more comprehensive, especially in today's work world where we are asked to communicate and how speak in language that we all can understand, and also. Let's face it, most documentation training out there is quite unengaging, can really put you to sleep. And I really saw a need to make this a more attractive, appealing way to get people at all levels to enjoy documentation, not just see it as going to the dentist or doing something that your lawyers ask you to do or your auditors ask you to do. It's actually something that makes your business better. And I think part of that message is shifting how we train and engage people in the process. And so I answered part of your question, who I wrote it for. It certainly is applicable to the, today's knowledge workforce that is really wearing a lot of different hats. My main audience is that manager, director level in companies that are really stuck with all the the demands of the strategic demands and then executing on their they're usually stuck with very specific problems, like they're tearing their hair out, trying to get people to document, or they're taking a company public, they are trying to leverage grow into a bigger business. All of these are actually just documentation problems. So the standpoint of the book is helping people who are struggling with documentation problems. And I believe it's actually a pretty pervasive set of skills that handles challenges everywhere from companies going public to compliance to just getting more effective pros. Like there really is very similar actually range of skills and it's about solving those problems. So that's my primary audience. It's also great for business owners who are my business owner clients are very pragmatic, practical people. They don't want really corporate academic style of instruction. They're looking for something really lightweight for their organization, so I've certainly done well with them. And I guess the last audience, which is maybe not the primary audience, is just people entering the workforce and teaching what that world of documentation is to make more sense of it, to make their careers better as well.
1: You used a phrase in the book I had not previously heard, which is dynamic documentation. What is that and what does it mean?
0: So dynamic documentation is like my brand of documentation. It's my philosophy of it as well. While documentation has traditionally been viewed as static, in my opinion, contracts sitting over there, static metadata sitting in your database, so stacks of binders, When documentation is done properly, it's dynamic. It moves you into a forward state. If you've ever had the exacerbating experience of working on teams that never write things down, you know what I'm talking about. You will run in a circle and not forward. If you write call mom on your to-do list, you're doing it to make an action. So at the very principle of what I teach and all documentation should drive back To actually pushing you, you personally, or your organization or your team forward into a forward state to take forward action. So, that's it's part of my brand and also the underlying principle of why we document in the first place.
1: What are the six steps of dynamic documentation?
0: So that is how the book is structured. The six steps are problem-solving technique. They're also intended to help build your skills. So number one is capturing. And capturing is, it's not just about, we talk a lot about AI. AI is a very sexy topic right now, but I'm actually old school in my teaching. A lot of capture is about information out of other people's heads, like information in meetings in interviewing people, information from your own head actually needs to be captured as well, or it will get lost. Machine capture is part of it, but I have a lot of techniques there, including the 24-hour rule and note-taking and interviewing, which is just about starting. If you wanna start solving any problem, you need to get things on paper and or out there so it can be worked on. Step two is structuring, which is actually the hardest step for me to teach others And that's about doing stuff with information and that can be anywhere from just creating documents, creating templates, creating databases, repositories. It's really making sense of what you have. Step three is presenting, which is where I give lots of tips about, I call it dynamic writing and dynamic design. So making your documents engaging and appealing to your audience is a huge part of having successful documentation step 4 communicating is making documentation a continual feedback loop where you're always getting input and getting feedback documentation is not something that is static it's actually always moving you don't and it, you don't need perfection to make it happen so that's where really communicating comes in storing and leveraging is step 5 and that is more traditionally our information management practices. I work a lot in information management as well as compliance. That's a huge professional discipline. I actually think we give a lot of attention to storing and leveraging. That's where you find the most resources out there and that especially our talk of ECM system, enterprise content systems and all that discussion. But I actually think only think it's one part of the bigger puzzle And my last step I call leading and innovating, which is like your bonus step from doing all the other work in dynamic documentation is that's where you reap the benefits of all the work. And so I I give tips around that. One of the biggest benefits of doc or where you reap the biggest benefits is overcoming what I call groundhogs or Groundhog Day discussions, which is where you have the same conversation over and over again. And documentation is a big part of getting off those groundhog day discussions or groundhogs. Many Most organizations have groundhogs. And to really be a leader, you have to exterminate or at least tamely trap and release these groundhogs running around your organization so that you can move things forward. Other than the waste of information that comes from not processing it in 24 hours, the secondary biggest kind of time waste I see often with clients is grandhog discussions where we're talking about the same thing over and over again. So that's where leading and innovating can really come in as well. It's a new take on leadership and innovation.
1: So how can a company begin to utilize some of the strategies you've articulated in a business setting to not only record information, or as I would say, document it, actually use it as a dynamic innovation tool that you would advocate.
0: So organizations, I, documentation is about, I actually believe it's a problem solving technique. Even the six steps I talk about, there's a lot of ways companies can start. First of all, I would advocate starting with the problem at hand. You usually don't, actually the least successful documentation projects I have done are the ones where companies say, I just want to get documented, but they don't really have a point of what they're doing. Documentation, like almost all the projects I do, it has a very specific purpose, and that's okay to go in because companies are looking to leverage. They can't have everything in people's heads anymore. So, so really get specific on the problem you're trying to solve. that And sometimes problems are obvious. Obviously, companies going public, or you're faced with regulatory or legal issues they are very obvious. I call them the big D, big corporate problems that you're faced. But there's also little d challenges you can identify. And little d is like your little everyday stuff. And that can be you're noticing meetings are very ineffective or you're having runaround discussions or people don't know how to document. These are kind of those little everyday things that can be actually very equally as challenging as the big D, very obvious problems that you're faced with. And so my first advice is be specific on the problem you're trying to solve. Nice thing about documentation is it's a great, it's a disarming or unobtrusive, unoffensive way of actually getting your team to work smarter. It's easier to tell people, to get people to improve their documentation than say something like we have a work ethic problem or you're not as organized as you should be. It's a technique you can use to get people to effectively work harder on your team. So this is certainly part of my advice to overcoming these specific problems is to use documentation as almost this tool or techniques to get people to work better and smarter through documentation. I certainly have lots of other Tips in my book. My book is effectively a framework for better documentation, where companies can assess where they're at, look through what they have, look at. I have I've standards I've developed as well, and these are all techniques you can use to help solve the underlying problem. But really, starting with the problem at hand, assessing where you're at, and getting your team to work better through documentation. My high level tips that'll take you pretty far
1: on your journey as well. Adrian. in the compliance realm, <clears throat> at least in the United States, the Department of Justice has mandated that chief compliance officers have access to all data silos within a company. So literally, whether it's a CFO, internal audit, general counsel, HR, you name a corporate function, a CCO has to have access to that data. Is some of the strategies that you advocate, could it help a company with data governance or other problems they may have to actually access their own data?
0: So I am a huge believer of back to basics. So the challenge you're speaking of is, it's I mean, it's certainly we have legislation now following it, but there's, and all my clients, bigger and smaller, are faced with so many different repositories of information. We have so many tools that are popping up. So information is living in just many places. I don't think the challenge is that new. It, it The basics of good information management policy is that you define your repositories, where things are supposed to go, and keep it there. If I consistently put my keys in the same spot at home, I will find them. If I'm a little lazy, which I am, and then you're running around the house looking for your keys before you go to work. It's not that different when it comes to information. And most, all companies, all of my clients, maybe some of your companies work with are perfect, struggle with this very basic idea of approved repositories. This thing should go here. And it's today's proliferation of tools and chats chat a lot of a lot of living in chat right now we're seeing all this information get wiped out of teams chats this is problem with all sizes of organization and we almost have so many options for tools it's getting worse but it's really goes back to that basics of approved repositories and that's why it's probably there's more this people are getting really concerned about it but where we're struggling is just good information management policy. So I do work in that area, but it's actually shocking sometimes how much we can miss some of these basic concepts. And then we're running around with more difficult information management governance problems or governance problems as well.
1: You mentioned what I'm going to call ephemeral communications, meaning internal corporate are not internal, but communications, which could be Slack, it could be Teams, it could be WhatsApp, it could be a variety of other communication tools where the information either can, on its own terms and its own time, be deleted, or it can be more easily deleted. Have you been asked to help companies formulate strategies to put that information in a document repository? so it can be saved for later use
0: i do this as part of my information management policy work it's it isn't information in chats i don't personally i'm not a big fan of information living even email chats even think of go back to the 24-hour rule a lot of these systems are well designed for almost 24-hour spurts of communication where information is very fresh in our brains. They're not particularly well-designed for retrieval later. Not saying it's impossible. Of course, we have phenomenal tools on the market, by the way. We don't... There is there is not a challenge in the information management governance world with the tools available because they really can find anything and they, the technology gets better and better every year. But where we and I'm, I'm repeating my point a little bit, apologize, but where we do struggle is just telling people where to put things and then having people follow through. So in it, yes, the answer is yes, but it usually just, it goes back to just getting people to agree on where to put things. It's almost embarrassingly simple when it comes to my work. There is more complexity when you get down into the weeds, especially getting companies to have a simple and usable classification. And you don't want I, some, a lot of companies get really buried in so much detail when it comes to information management and governance, like almost overwhelms them. But this concept of the of Slack and email is more findable. In general, communication tools are great for communicating. They're great for, our, our, and I, I actually love email. I think it's part of, I talk about in my book, but for being really findable for the future and something we can leverage for future value and find in legal, it's if we need to we want to support, assuming the information will serve in our favor, they are not the best to be there. So it is not advisable in general to leave important information locked in communications tools. Although the tools are very good to find things nowadays, but it's not the most efficient way of and mo- not the most leverageable for future use.
1: Adrian, unfortunately, we are near the end of our time for this episode. But before we leave, I was wondering if our listeners wanted any more information on yourself or your consulting practice. Where can they go? And then where can they go to purchase the book?
0: Well, the 24-hour rule and other secrets for smarter organizations is available every major retailer. It is distributed by Penguin Random House. You can find it on Penguin Random House site or Amazon, Barnes & Noble, it, it, it's, you can find it anywhere. So I would love if they, if your listeners picked up a copy and certainly ask me any questions you have about documentation or the 24 hour role. My website is bellhumorco.com, which is my documentation business. And then my compliance business is riskoversights.ca. And I love connecting with people on LinkedIn as well. And hopefully if, please sign up for my. I have a newsletter on LinkedIn and one on my. Actually, I have one on Risk Oversight and ValHumorCo. dot com as
1: well. Adrian, I wanted to thank you again for taking the time to visit with me, and I greatly look forward to continuing our conversations.
0: Great, thanks so much, Tom, for having me back.
1: This is Tom Fox again. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of the FCPA Compliance Report. If you'd like to be a guest on the FCPA Compliance Report, I'm always looking for folks, or if you'd like to be on one of my other podcasts on the Compliance Podcast Network, give me a shout at tfox at tfoxlaw.com. The FCPA Compliance Report, of course, is the award-winning FCPA Compliance Report, and it's a production of the Compliance Podcast Network.